Welcome back to another episode of GEMS Podcast with Genesis Amaris Kemp, where the core pillars are to educate, inspire, and motivate. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this segment. Welcome back to GEMS Podcast. I am the founder and host, Miss Genesis Amaris Kemp. And with me today is Jury Love. Here is a bit about Jury, AKA, she's known as the goddess of connection, is a survivor of child sex abuse, domestic violence, bullying, and homelessness. She was born and raised in Japan and was greeted by the Japanese crown prince and princess, now emperor and empress, when she was sent to the US as an emissary at age 18. She now resides in Foxborough, Massachusetts. She has two children, Jaden and Jayla, and is thriving in her life as a single mom and entrepreneur. She comes with many accolades that include being a recipient of Heroes Among Us from the NBA Boston Celtics and a Volunteerism Award from the New England Patriots. She is also an award-winning TV and film producer, journalist, musician, model, actress, and podcaster who uses her platform to bring awareness to people suffering from similar social issues she endured. Jury was the president and founder of a nonprofit called Genuine Voices, which taught music to juvenile offenders in the detention program. And she's been featured on numerous um, press medias as well as TVs. So without further ado, please welcome Jury Love to GEMS Podcast, where we're going to be talking about discrimination from all angles and all sides. Hi, Genesis. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure, Jury. So I want to unpack a little bit more of who Jury is because I read a snippet of your bio, but there's definitely more to you. So give us a fun and interesting fact about yourself. Well, thank you so much for um, introducing me. Um, As you heard that I do multiple different things and people always ask me what uh, what do you not not do? Because I do a lot of things. So I say ironing. I don't like ironing. But I do everything else. So why don't you like ironing? <laughs> I just don't. And <laughs> I I just don't like ironing. I don't think I have patience for it. So I try to buy some clothes that doesn't require. And then also I use like the shower to steam my clothes. Oh, okay, nice. That is a definitely um, interesting fact. <laughs> so now we're going to segue into our topic, which is discrimination from all sides and all ang- angles. And you have faced discrimination as an Asian woman working in some of the fields that you have worked in. So I want you to talk about a personal story of discrimination that you face and how has it left an imprint, but also drove you to create impact? Sure. So a couple of things that I can talk to you about um, discrimination is that obviously I'm Asian woman and sometimes more than discrimination, I am uh, always asked, um, can you speak English? So I 
I'm a journalist and then I speak English okay. So <laughs> I think uh, people just assume that I don't speak English well or don't speak it at all. So I don't know if that's discrimination. But um, as far as the leadership goes, I was running nonprofit for 12 years. And I think I started when I was 26 years old. And being Asian, I didn't feel it, but I felt like, you know, if I was in different race, maybe I could have done a little bit more impactful things smoother. And there wasn't much of stigma. Um, for instance, I was working in a huge black community where Asian people were not so much present. And when I first went there, people were like, what are you doing kind of type of look? Um, they didn't like really say it, but then later on, they started to understand my passion and understand that I am here to help others regardless of the race of mine. And I just felt a little bit of tension and stigma at the beginning, but um, I got really close to people as I visited more to the Boys and Girls Club that I started music program at. And um, people started to welcome me more, but definitely not like the open arm welcome that I felt. And, uh, but uh, towards the end, they really loved me. And one of the women gave me helmet because I didn't have helmet for my bicycle. <laughs> so it was a uh, very interesting um, interaction and then as I progress to a filmmaker um, I don't know if it's me being a female and Asian I don't know if that is related or maybe female leadership well hold on go back to the nonprofit there's one time that some of the board member told me I'm incompetent and I should resign I don't know if it wow. was, I am female Asian but they chose another person they suggested another person to the organization that I started and I don't know if we, if I was white male if they had said that boldly I have no idea uh, because I am not but then also when I'm when I was directing the movie or producing or doing casting I was called mean I was called Hitler or like Stalin or that's why you don't have boyfriend. That's why no one want to work with you. That's kind of like um, things I've heard. And I don't know if it was because of I am Asian woman that people think it's okay to say those things easily than if I was a white male versus I have no idea. Um, but I've definitely had share of condescending look down um, comments toward me regardless of my accolades and credentials and so that's being very hard but at the same time i understand that i'm not from this country and i'm immigrant so um maybe i don't have as much of privilege than other people and um but at the same time i think to navigate through i would say my passion come through and certain people sees that and then I think it's like you know as challenging as it is in your mind if you have vision 
And if you keep manifesting that, okay, I want to do this, I want to do this. And then it kind of powers through and it's right people can come to you regardless of race. And some people cannot get over it. In fact, I was married to a Caucasian man on my first marriage and then the grandfather fought during World War II and his brother married to Japanese and then I heard from the grandpa what happened to my grandchildren or something because of the war. Um, so sometimes those things have stigma. And then I went to Hawaii in January and I felt a little bit of stigma when I was visiting Pearl Harbor, obviously. But um, yeah, it's, it's different things that I've experienced and then felt like maybe direct comments towards me. And also as a journalist, I've advocated when the, during the pandemic that I interviewed some Asian people that was told this is all kind of fault, like go back to your countries and stuff. So I've um, not only my case, but I definitely advocated for other people as a journalist as well. Wow. And that is a lot that you have endured and quite a bit to unpack, Jury. But I'm going to start with the beginning where some people told you, do you speak English? And some people may not feel like it is a direct form of discrimination, but it is tied because microaggressions fall within the discrimination realm because different subtle things that people say is discriminatory whether they realize it or not like if they say something about the way that you speak or the way that some of your physical features look or your hairstyle or etc those are small forms of discrimination that may not be felt on a larger scale but it still is singling you out in comparison to someone who does not look like you then going over into the workforce It's like a slap in the face when you are starting this project, you're working hard at the project, but then they take away what you have built and the foundation and give it to somebody else who does not look like you because they meet a certain, um, they meet a certain demographic or they feel like that person will be the spokesperson when in actuality, you are the one that's doing the work. So if I look like this, would you have done it otherwise? Or if I was a male or et cetera? And I think we need to be bold to ask those questions because sometimes they may not realize that they are doing that. And it's putting them in a box because it shows their ignorance and their narrow-mindedness. But it's also making you feel that you are there just to be seen, but not necessarily heard because of the way that you look and how you are being perceived by someone who is just making assumptions. And we all know that when you make assumptions, it makes an ass out of you and I because you're not taking time to go beyond the surface level. You're only making, you're only allowing your unconscious biases to feed into those assumptions that you already had. And so I would say, are we missing the needle here when it comes to inclusivity? Because if you talk about inclusivity, yes, you have that diverse group of people working for you, but if you are not including them in the day-to-day activities, then that is exclusivity. You are so eloquent. 
Genesis and it's just um, really nice to have this conversation. I remember one time I was invited as a guest speaker uh, for a group of women who just came out from prison and trying to uh, go back to the community and then I was there because I experienced homelessness and then sexual abuse and all the trauma growing up and when I shared my experience in Japan um, where I was homeless in Tokyo um, some women like I don't I think both black and white um, said to me that oh I didn't know Asian people go through that so I'm like yeah I think adversity never discriminates the race <laughs> uh, if you're homeless you're homeless and I think um, maybe some people think Asian people are rich I don't know but um, it's interesting and also like um, some people say do you speak Chinese and I say no and then they're like oh I thought Japan and China are the same country and I'm like no it's not and I don't speak Chinese and then some people like start to speak to me in Chinese sometimes and then I'm like I don't understand what you're saying but I'm not like I, I speak Japanese so I think um, not just that can you speak English part but some people uh, just don't understand the um, stigma we have between China and Korea uh, due to World War II and you know all the South Southeast Asian countries that people don't understand and then we all look like which I've experienced it and then I'm used to it already but like when I first started to have those kind of conversation coming at me like I was like what is going on so I was kind of confused Absolutely. And I can imagine that because what you just described, my mother faced that, but she faced it from the aspect of her being, you know, an immigrant. She's West Indian. So she's from St. Vincent and the Grenadines. So it's in the Caribbean. And people are like, oh, are you Jamaican? Are you this? So they never even take time to realize that there are other islands that make up the Caribbean. And Jamaica is not the only island, even though that may be a popular tourist destination, there are other tourist spots. So whenever you just assume and you just go with your assumption versus just asking a question to educate yourself on the subject matter, then how are you um, helping that individual? If anything, you're putting a wall up between you and that individual because you're telling that individual, I don't care enough about where you come from. I don't care to learn about your culture or et cetera. And then just to hear the comments of, oh, I didn't think Asian people go through that. Adversity is all around us. There are rich Caucasian people and poor Caucasian people. Some of the rich people look down on the poor ones and they call them um, quote unquote trailer trash. And why do they assimilate with that? Just like there's, you know, good and bad in every single race, I feel like we as human beings have to take the blinders off. And when we take the blinders off, then we could really look for ways that we are more alike versus highlighting the differences. Yes. And also just to highlight my children are mixed race. Um, I'm Japanese, my ex-husband is Nigerian. And then they are, I think they are really, really cute. But um, last summer, like they were called at the swimming pool, what are you two brownies doing here? And also my son was called Black Monkey Negro at school. And this is 2021, 22. And like, 
it's very heartening and I am not black but as a mother of multiracial children I kind of experience that together and it, it hurts me obviously and you know more than like can you speak English um that is okay like in it's 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 kind of still weird but um that um derogatory like racial slaw like hate crime is really 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 heartening like very very painful to hear I can I can only imagine I don't have um biracial children but my nieces and nephews are so two of them are half Caucasian and two are half Indian and then one is fully African American and just to hear some of the stories that, you know, my sister or my in-laws tell me that, you know, happened to the kids at school, it's not right. Because if you reverse it, how would that individual who is spitting that rhetoric would like to have some derogatory slurs thrown at them? We can't help who we are born to, but we can help by sharing our differences and then allowing those differences to connect via the commonalities and say, okay, I know that I may not look like you, but I have the same genetic parts as you. I'm just as intelligent as you. We both like this music or this type of food. So why can't we find unity around that and then branch out to learn about the differences and how those differences can complement each other because we all need one another to continue to build out this world and pave that pathway. So I know from your perspective, being Japanese and you mentioned, is it your ex-husband or current husband that's Nigerian? ex-husband when y'all were together how would those conversations work because you are both from two different parts of the world but you intersected to create something beautiful as your children so you see um the cultural unity there but then you also see you know the assimilation of diversity equity and inclusion coming together so can you share that because you know coming from two different parts of the world, sometimes our family members can also be discriminatory against us whenever we begin to date and marry outside of our race. Yeah, it was very interesting. Um, as for the time, the duration that we were together, uh, Japanese TV show came and featured our story. Um, 7.5 million people watched it. And then that what attracted the most was because I'm Japanese and uh, he's Nigerian, he was Nigerian, and then uh, we're living in America. So basically we are representing three different continents. And then so that was like um, super inclusion, micro world in one household and then my kids are mixed. So that's what um, featured the TV show. So it, it had definitely challenges like like for instance, time. <laughs> we are very on, we are t very on time, very punctual. But in African people, are more relaxed. Like two, four hours late is not like a big deal. And um, like a wedding, like no. So true. <laughs> it was at one p.m., but nobody showed up till like five p.m. <laughs> I was like four hours later. So I'm like, yeah. And then I actually experienced that when I was in Ghana, where we were supposed to have drum lesson at noon, but the teacher didn't show up till 6 p.m. So it's like six hours later and nobody said 
sorry or anything. So I'm like, it's like half a day. So it's very different culture. So very relaxed, but you just cannot get mad. You just cannot like get stressed out. So you just have to estimate like two, four hours late. Like, so if they say one o'clock, you just have to estimate like three or 5 p.m. So you just learn as you go. Yeah, and I could definitely um, agree with that. Being um, into a family that, you know, cross-pollinated with having some Africans in my family, they're Cameroonian, so a little bit different than Nigerian, but some of the culture is similar. So um, <laughs> it's kind of hilarious, but then whenever you're having like a very important event, it's not hilarious when you're late. But of course, you just have to understand like their culture or sometimes just trick them and say, oh, it's actually starting at this time when you know that it's really not just so they could be on time. <laughs> so whenever you think about the work that you're doing now, Jury, what are some of the um, tips that you want to give the listeners and viewers to really work on understanding what diversity, equity, inclusion and belonging is and how can they do a better job? Because like I mentioned, it takes all of us. And until we engage in those difficult but yet courageous conversations, until we ask questions, whether we're asking questions and putting a disclaimer in front and saying, I'm asking this question not to be ignorant, but I'm asking this question to actually learn about the subject matter or your background. How can we do a better job from your perspective since you talk to a lot of people being in the journalist world, but also being in acting and just overall the other things that you do on the front lines as well as behind the scenes? Well, that's a really amazing question. And to be honest with you, I don't know the perfect answer to that. And I think um, regardless of the race, discrimination and bias that you face, I think it's important that your passion, your vision comes through and no matter what happens, you just keep going and then you just have to be the powerhouse and just, you know, pave the way through. And then I've done that many times in a way that people may have been intimidated by my passion and drive, but at the same time, if you don't have that drive and then passion and if you start to dwell into like the negativities and then every day like you know these kind of negative things are thrown at you that you just cannot live like that and you just have to learn people say thick skin but like you know maybe put um bubble around you in a way that like you know be assertive and you know you cannot control people but you can control how you react to these incidents and then you really can um, tackle these issues by communication and then like really like you know like I, I really like what you said about like you know, oh you know I don't mean to put you on the spot but if I was a white man would you have said the same thing I've never done that before but that might be a good comeback um, maybe they might just rethink about what they said to me and then oh, oh have I ever said that to a white man? You know what I mean? So I think um, put putting somebody to a good questions instead of uh, accusing them and then let them discover what they said was hurtful is very, very important. And then I've had a great example when I was getting bullied at a company um, in Japan. Um, I had a situation where the bullying was getting so bad and then I asked a person who was bullying, um, were you born to bully me? Like, was that, is it your mission in your life to bully me? 
And she just stared at the wall and started to think about like what I just asked her. And then after that, she never bullied me. And that is part of my book, A Gift from Adversity. Um, I think, um, number one, that you just expect people to say things uh, regardless of what race you are because people can get jealous and insecure. insecure and um, anyone can say anything to you or anything can happen to you. But it's it's really up to you how you react and then as far as diversity and inclusion i've been to many countries where i was minority completely like say when i was in senegal or ghana i was the only few like japanese there the people came towards me and i had like a red and green hair too by then so like they touched my hair a lot and then like you know they came and you know in a way and i was when I was in Israel by myself, like, you know, obviously I was the only Japanese traveling alone and, you know, I don't mind. And some people I think, um, can use more of world traveling and then put yourself in a situation where you become minority and then kind of uncomfortable, like stepping out of the comfort zone and then be uncomfortable in different, um, racial situations where you kind of understand how you feel like if you're a minority, if you're not minority in where you are. And I think those kind of perspective can give you a good sense of how you get along with everybody. And again, even there's language barrier, there are so many apps that you can use to communicate with um, people. And then I think direct communication is very important uh, instead of going around and, you know, um, oh, so-and-so did this to somebody else, like, you know, just direct, um, have courage to have a direct communication with the person who maybe accused you or said something discriminatory that it's not okay to say that to me. It is absolutely not acceptable and I don't take that out. Like you either, you either um, apologize to me or I'm just gonna block you. <laughs> I have blocked a lot of people. Uh, so I think um, with technology, you can block people and then sometimes it, it's necessary because, you know, you just have to sometimes. Absolutely. Those are really great tips. And um, just starting with the end in mind and working backwards, it's like um, make sure you are taking ownership of your peace because when you react to certain situations in a negative way, you're feeding into their energy and you're giving them the upper hand because you're letting them know that that gets to you. Um, also understanding your self-worth and knowing who you are, you definitely just open your mouth and say, when you said this, this is how it made me feel, or I don't appreciate that. Or let me help you understand how you come across when you make these remarks and comments and then just educate them there or just share a story with them or some form of um, article with them to let them know how people from their race are perceived when they do X, Y, and Z, because then they're able to actually see a reflection of how they're being perceived in the media. Another thing that I would say is whenever you uh, approach that 
um, lady and you pretty much told the lady or the young girl and you told her that you didn't like that, then you put it back on her so she could kind of reflect on how she was coming across. And that's really good because some people don't like to reflect, but they like to deflect, which they're pointing um, fingers and et cetera. And they think their behavior is okay because maybe no one has ever checked them or put them in their place. But respect is given where, where respect is due. So you want respect, you need to give respect. And it goes both ways. You don't want someone talking to you crazy, don't talk to me crazy. But what I can do is share who I am and not give you the upper hand by being ugly and nasty back to you. But I will remove myself from the situation to protect my own peace and shy away from that negativity and leave you there standing by yourself because you choose to be ugly. Yes, that's very, very powerful. And then good for you for um, eloquently saying that. Now, I really think um, another factor as a journalist that's important that we have, you know, when you write an article, you have a lead line and we have that graph, which we have to use 5W and 1H. When you have encountered these situations, it's very extremely important that you know what happened to you by describing one 5W and 1H, which my children know all of that. And so when my son had that incident, I educated him that all five, all five Ws and then one H. And then when he filed a, a incident report, he was able to do that. And also gathering the witnesses and then having allies are very important. Obviously, when you're alone, you cannot do anything. But at the same time, even if you're alone, like, you know, the first witness, like the first person that you confine sometimes can be a police instead of your friend, because sometimes you might have to go to trial. And then for some of the extreme cases, just as an example, um, that your first witness has to go to trial. So maybe if you don't want anyone to be um, involved in that situation, go straight to the police and have the police witness as a police officer, as your first witness, that they have extra protection against the perpetrator that they can come to the court with you. So that's one of the tips. Wow, that's a really good tip because then you remember exactly what happened, where you were, and and how. And jury, as we wind down this segment, I want you to leave our listeners and viewers with your call to action on all things discrimination from all angles, whether you're sharing a gem that complements the core pillars to educate, inspire, motivate, or a lifestyle tip that is going to encourage them that they are not alone, there's nothing wrong with them, and they matter, but they have to really look within and see who they are and not allow, you know, others to prey on them. Well, thank you so much for this opportunity. First of all, um, you came on my show, I Get From Adversity. So check out I Get From Adversity podcast. And then um, Facebook and Instagram is at Julia Panda. So people can follow or you can just Google my name, Julia Love, J-U-R-I-L-O-V-E. But my advice to people is whenever this kind of, um, unfortunately, discrimination or um, things, bullying or anything that happened to you, make sure that you know you're right and you're not alone and then you are not wrong and never put yourself as a victim mind, but more of winner, survivor, you keep winning, you keep going at what you want to in your life and never let these events ruin your day. It's so hard um, to consume these things to take over your 
day and life. And I've done that so many days of being depressed and then being sad and just, you know, not having a right advocate for me and then suffered with so much mental health issues, PTSD, panic attacks. I want listeners to know that they are not alone. If they're going through that, make sure you allow yourself to rest and then decompress and then self-care. And I've learned by doing my podcast that take yourself to a date, which means you can go to a movie or restaurant by yourself, take yourself to a place that you always wanted to be and that really serves your soul and really listen to your intuition, what's right, what's wrong, and then what feels good that, you know, whether you are interacting with yourself or with others, that make sure you really learn how to have your self-respect and self-boundary. And then if somebody violates your space, make sure you advocate first. And if that if doesn't work, reach out to people in the right agency. Amazing. And then for those who want to connect with you via your website and where you hang out on social media, plug that information, Jury. Yep. So again, at Jury Panda is my Instagram. You can just Google my name, J-U-R-I-L-O-V-E, Jury Love. And I think you can find most of the things and I'm on IMDb. I was on Don't Look Up, Netflix movie, number one most watched. I was a Japanese reporter along with my son. And I've done many modeling works. And then I'm doing a lot of film producing. So you can easily find me. And also when you Google Joy Love, you can see many articles that I've written so far as well. And there you have it, listeners and viewers of GEMS Podcast. Once again, I am the founder and host, Miss Genesis Amaris Kemp. Make sure you share and subscribe. We're on 40 plus platforms. Connect with us on YouTube at GEMS with Genesis Amaris Kemp for all things video content. And for those of you interested in contributing monetarily or becoming a brand sponsor, we would love to have you. All info can be found on Genesis Amaris Kemp. .net so we could continue to build out the mission to educate, inspire, and motivate while bridging the gap between diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging because we were all uniquely created as a masterpiece and it takes all of us to link arms to stand together in solidarity and make this world a better place. So peace, love, and lots of blessings. Have yourself an amazing day and you got this. Thank you for listening to another segment of GEMS Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this recording. Make sure you like, comment, share, and subscribe to GEMS Podcast on your audio platform, as well as our YouTube channel, GEMS with Genesis Mars Kemp. We would love for you to be a sponsor, so please reach out via email at GEMS, G-E-M-S, with W-I-T-H, Genesis, G-E-N-E-S-I-S, Amaris, A-M-A-R-I-S, Kemp, K-E-M-P, at gmail.com, where your brand, your swag, your services can be here on GEMS Podcasts.